you got your Bibles, get to Joshua chapter 8. Today we will not have our Spanish reading today. Fortunately, uh, Teresa Maciel was not able to uh, make it. Uh, it's summertime. Everybody went on vacation this weekend. And uh, so we're just doing what the Lord would have us to do. Joshua chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. If you're there, say amen. If you're not there, say hold up. I'm going to wait on you. That's Joshua. That's chapter 8, verse 1. Look for the big 8 and the little 1. If you're there, say amen. If you're not there, say read anyways. And the Lord said to Joshua, do not fear and do not be dismayed. Take all the fighting men with you and arise and go up to Ai. See, I have given into your hand the king of Ai and his people, his city, and his land. And you should do to Ai and its king as you did to Jericho and its king. Only its spoils and its livestock you shall take as plunder for yourselves. Lay an ambush against the city behind it. So Joshua and all the fighting men arose to go up to Ai, and Joshua chose 30,000 mighty men of valor and sent them out by night. As the word of God, let us pray. Father, we thank you this morning that we have the privilege and wonderful opportunity to sit under the authority of your infallible word. We pray, God, that it would wash over us, but it would also fill us, and it will remove those things that are not like you. God, we are not unaware of ourselves. We know, God, that we are weak and prone to wonder, and we need your ever-chasing mercy to keep us under the umbrella of your divine grace. And so do a work in this place far beyond what, far beyond what we thought that you would do today. Exceed our expectations. Be God in this place. And may you be the only one left standing when it is all said and done. We ask this in the only name that saves, Jesus Christ. And all the saints who was ready to hear the word said, Amen. Y'all, last night... Brother got a chance to get out with the famo, and I was glad to do it. I want to encourage y'all brothers in the room who have families to take that time and to spend time with your family. I think that that's, I think that that's important, and I think that it's vital that our kids see that we value time with them. Amen? So let me tell y'all what I did. I, I, I went to the show, y'all. I went to the, I went, yeah, I went, I went to the show. And y'all know every time I go to the show, I come back with some sermon illustration. And some of y'all going to be mad at me. I know y'all going to be mad at me, but, but check it out. I want to lay some rules. I want to lay some ground rules really fast. Uh, for those of you who attend this church, I'm talking about those who attend this church. I'm talking about members of this church. I, I, I just want to put this out there. You got two weeks to go see a movie. You got two weeks, okay? You, you, you got two weeks. And see, and see some of y'all going to be mad at me, but y'all don't preach every week. And so when a brother get an illustration, he has got to use the illustration. So I went to go see Toy Story 4, y'all. Yeah, yeah, I went to go see I went to go see it. And yeah, I, I, how many people in the room love Toy Story in this piece? I mean, come on. Come on, y'all. What a Woody fan. I got some Woody fans in here. I know I got some Buzz Lightyears in, up in here, up in this piece. But yeah, so I went to go see Toy Story 4 and, and, and check it out. God started speaking to me real quick. Y'all got to pray for me because one day I just want to go see a movie and not a sermon, but I can't help myself. But here it is. In the opening scenes of the movie, Bonnie, the little girl, goes to her first day of kindergarten. During her first day there, Woody throws a heap of trash on her desk while she is turned around. When she turns around, she sees it and creates a toy out of string, a sporky, a sporky is a spoon fork, y'all, for y'all who don't know, a popsicle stick, and them little eyeballs or whatever. She names the toy Sporky. Because she loves Sporky, this piece of trash becomes valuable to her. And because it's valuable to her, Sporky now has inherent value. 
However, Sporky doesn't fully realize his value and new identity. And so what does Sporky keep doing? He keeps running back to the trash. Okay, okay, okay. Y'all with me this morning. I see I got some other theologians in the room. I I see, I see, I see. Y'all with me this morning. He keeps running back to the trash. But what does Woody keep doing? He keeps rerouting Sporky. Woody becomes Sporky's GPS, if you will. No matter how many times Sporky runs to the trash, Woody reroutes him and reminds him of who he is. Eventually, Sporky heeds the voice of Woody, and in doing so, he finds his way home. That's a good illustration for my subject this morning which is rerouting grace and obedience is the way home. Rerouting grace is the way home. Rerouting grace is the way to overcome sin and become all that God has already declared you to be, saint. Friends, who in this room is not not in need of rerouting grace? I love when I get lost in the GPS says, rerouting When we get off track, God starts rerouting. I'm so glad that when I'm lost, the GPS is not lost. The GPS always knows a way back. But here's the key. Although Woody always has a way back, Sporky will never get back until he learns to obey the voice of Woody. Same is true with God, friends. We will never get back on track until we obey his voice. That's the sermon. Y'all see y'all next week. No, I'm just playing. That is the sermon in a nutshell. We have been journeying with the nation of Israel. We have seen in chapter 7, they have been ignoring their GPS, their Woody, their God. And if you follow this nation throughout the Bible, y'all got to read y'all Bibles. There's some good stuff in the Bible. I love reading the Bible. I mean, I mean, the Bible is just a good read all by itself. I love, I love the Bible. And so if you follow the children of Israel, you would see that oftentimes they ignore their GPS. And if you follow them long enough, you'll see when they ignore their GPS, they get lost. And they end up at a dead end. But don't judge them because we do the same thing. One dead end we have witnessed in their defeat. One, one, one end we have witnessed together is their defeat against AI. If, if you've been here uh, the last couple of weeks, I've been preaching on their defeat in chapter 7 against AI when they tried to do things their way and they got their butts kicked. It, oh, oh, yeah, it was real sad. It was real bad, yeah. Uh, uh, they should have beat AI with one hand tied behind their back. AI was the underdog. Israel had the upper hand. I mean, this is Dub Nation against preschool, and they lose. Y'all, it's embarrassing. And you know you lost the fight when somebody hands you your shoe at the end of the fight. If somebody hands you your shoe at the end of the fight, you, you lost that fight. <laughs> yep. Well, you say, did I win? And they say, him. It's your shoe. <laughs> you trying to put your ponytail back? No, 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 no. Y'all act like y'all ain't never had a fight. I'm trying to let it marinate so some of y'all can confess up. So in chapter 7, because they ignored God, they lost. They did not remain obedient to their GPS, and so they were off track. The plan was for them to conquer all of Cana. The first time around, the first time Israel went up to do battle at Ai, they were defeated by the inhabitants of that city, and 36 of their number lost their lives. And I slowed down last week because I wanted you to feel the weight of this. And this is not 36 by number. These are 36 people with a name and with a life. 36 women became widows. 36 children lost their lives. Sin will cost you, friends. It tells you to come on over, and when it's done with you, it leaves you with nothing. God is not navigating you away from sin because he doesn't love you. He's navigating you away from sin because he loves you. And I know we live in a 
society and ever-increasing society where we want to confirm sin and not just individual sin, but systemic sin as well. I'm talking about injustice and powers that, 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 that are not working in the way that God will want them to work, friends. God is not cool with sin. That sin caused them to be defeated at AI. However, today we witness in chapter 8, rerouting grace. Although they were off track, God said, rerouting. They have another chance to continue their conquest and reach their destination. Before we move into these verses this morning, I want to tell you a little bit about AI in the Bible because I believe that that's going to help us all to grasp and understand what picture God is trying to paint. And often when you read your Bibles, especially in the Old Testament, you're trying to look at the pictures that God is trying to paint in regards to the new covenant. We're trying to see how God is trying to point us to Jesus in every story, in every poem. Jesus, I'm telling y'all, you know when somebody's preaching because they'll bring Jesus out of the text. If they bring themselves out of the text or if they bring you out of the text, well, they're not preaching God's word. I know you're cute this morning, but you're not the main theme of the Bible. You, you're not. You're not. Oh, I'm sorry. I know. I know. I probably lost two members there, but that's all right. That's all right. However, today we witness in chapter 8 the glory of God's rerouting grace. AI in the Bible is a type of flesh. When I say a type of flesh, the word AI means a heap of ruins. A heap of ruins. That is a good way to describe this flesh in which we live, is it not? The first mention of this city is found in the book of Genesis in connection with the life of Abraham. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 8, in Genesis 13, 3, the Bible tells us that Abraham pitched his tent between Bethel and Hai, which is, uh, when you get to Joshua, is Ai. Now, the name Bethel means the house of God. And friends... We can either find ourselves going towards Bethel, or we can find ourselves going towards AI. Depending on who voice we choose to listen to, are you going to listen to Woody or yourself? Woody or the world? You can arrive at a place of victory and blessings, or you can arrive in a place of defeat and misery. You can either have a Bethel kind of life or you can have an AI experience, which is up to you. Just like Israel, we often lose battles to our AI, the flesh. But through the Lord, we can learn how to ambush our AI and walk away with the victory in our lives. And I don't know, I don't know about you, but sometimes I lose, I lose battles against this flesh. I don't always walk away with the victory every day. I may be smiling today, but but tomorrow may be another thing. I may be walking in obedience today, but but say the wrong thing to me, and and AI may show up on you. Okay, y'all ain't going to talk to me this morning. I know, I know, I know. I know, I know. But if you're like me, AI will show up out of nowhere. But let's learn how we defeat our AI today. God has given us victory already. That's the first thing that you need to know. Right out of the gate, y'all need to already know that God has already given you the victory over AI. This is going to be good for you, those who are in the battle with seeing those who are struggling with seeing. You're going to want to tuck this in the pocket of your heart. You need to know that when you face your AI, that God has already given you the battle. You see it already here in the text. When the Lord speaks to Joshua after the defeat, uh, after the death of Achan, y'all remember Achan, don't you? That's the joker who stole and hid things under his tent and got Israel in the place that they were in. He put them in the predicament and God had to handle Achan and now Achan is dead and now God God goes back to Joshua. God tells him to go to AI. That's God rerouting. Yeah, 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 yeah. got off track, but Joshua, I'm going to reroute you and we're going to do this thing again. However, he tells him that things will be different this time. 
He assures Joshua and Israel of the victory. Friends, but you got to understand that Joshua is discouraged before the word of God gets to him. The man who's the head of Israel at this moment has lost 36 men. He's been defeated in battle. And when... And whenever we're defeated, friends, do we not feel discouragement in our hearts? He has suffered a huge defeat against Ai. Friends, do we not experience discouragement when we lose battles against our flesh? How do we feel when we give into the flesh? How many times have we been defeated by this old sinful nature lust? How many times have we fallen and wondered if we will ever get back to where we were before? Am I talking to anybody in the room? Have you ever stumbled so far? You wondered if you'll ever find your way back. You've never been discouraged by giving to your flesh? Saying something you said that you'll never say? Doing something you never said you'll do. Having too much of something you shouldn't have. Let me run that last one back again. Every now and again, you stumble. Every now and again, that thing that you thought you put to death shows up at your doorstep again. And probably for some of us, it happened last night, if we were to be honest. And we're kind of feeling a little discouraged today. The flesh has a way of getting us down. Friends, one of Satan's biggest tools, and we don't talk about this much in church, and this is why we got to learn to encourage one another more. One of his biggest tools is discouragement. You'll be surprised how many people in the church got their head down. How many people who didn't packed up their spiritual gear and went home? How many people who are not walking in their calling because they are discouraged by falling and stumbling? How many people who refuse to come to church anymore because of the shame and the guilt that they're feeling? Satan loves to use discouragement against us. There's a story that goes something like this. The devil was selling some of his implements and objects of war. And one of the prospective buyers is looking over all these tools of Satan and notice that one of them has a label attached to it that says, not for sale. And when he inquires further of the devil why this tool is not for sale, the devil says to him that he has used this tool to considerable effect, to gain an entry into the hearts of men and women. And once having gained an entry into the heart of men and women, he can then plant in those hearts whatever he desires. And that tool is called discouragement. But friends, God got a word of encouragement for you this morning. To those who have fallen and have lost a battle to the flesh, God says, fear not, I'm giving you the victory. I'm preaching better than you talking to me. Let me bring it to your house. I like the way that sounds, so I'll play it back for you again. The Lord says, fear not, I'm giving you the victory. The only reason why AI won the first time is because God let them win the first time. But when God says that I'm giving you the victory... Can't nobody take the victory from you. And so no matter what you're going through, no matter how many times you fail, if God says that I got you, you ought to get up. You ought to stand straight. You ought to get some courage about yourself. You ought to get ready for battle. Because when God says that I'm giving you the victory, you got it before you ever go to war. You got it before the battle ever comes. You say, you say, well, pastor, how do you know? Because the Bible says that it is impossible for God to lie. And God cannot lie. And if God said that he's going to give you the victory, 
Oh, you go good and well and say, I'm going to give you, I'm going to have the victory. And so when your AI stands up in the mirror and tells you you need to sit down and tells you don't come to church and tells you to stop praying, you stand flat-footed on the word of God and you say, Joker, God has already given me the victory. Y'all sit down. I got a lot of, I got a long way to go. I got a long way to go. I love the way Paul puts it in Romans. See, you can almost see the Old Testament giving, shedding light on the New Testament. Paul puts it in a different way, but he's saying the same thing. He says, for sin shall not be master over you. For you are not under the law, but under grace. I'm not going to unpack that again. I unpacked that already. You need to go to the the Bethel app and check it out. I already unpacked that. But I will say this, the, 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 the beauty about being under grace and not under the law, because if you live under the law, that means you're trying to earn your own righteousness. There is no righteousness in you. Therefore, you are an enemy of God. And to be an enemy of God is for God to be against you. But when you scoop yourself on up under grace, the good thing about grace is that God is no longer against you. He's now for you, and it's not on the basis of your righteousness. It's on the basis of his righteousness, imputed righteousness. I'm preaching the gospel there. His imputed righteousness through his son, Jesus Christ. Friends, AI will not have the last word in your life. Why? God will give you victory. And you must understand if you will defeat sin... You must understand the only sin that we can defeat is sin that has already been defeated on the cross. Then you have to stand and believe that. But you say, pastor, you know, you know, you know how they're doing, class pastor, man of God, bishop, apostle, whatever your name is. I got a question, though. <laughs> That's all good and dandy, but, but why don't it feel like I got the victory right now? Pastor, why I don't feel that way? Well, I'm glad you asked. Part of the reason we feel we don't got the victory is because we don't follow directions. If you can't say amen, say ouch. Notice that the Lord tells them that they will do to Ai what they did to Jericho, except for the fact that in Ai. They are to take all the spoils for themselves. Okay, now if y'all remember Achan, Achan did not wait on God. Instead, Achan went on and took what he wanted for himself. Here's the crazy part. The crazy part, if homeboy would have waited, God was going to give him all the riches that he needed. And what I'm trying to say to some of y'all in the room is if you learn to wait on God, and quit taking the matter in your own hands, you won't be walking in the defeat that you're walking in today. And some of us say, move, God. You're taking too long, God. I'm going to do things my way. And when we do things our way, we end up off track. God said, I was going to give you the money before you stole it. I was just working something out in your character. God said, I was going to give you the boyfriend if you would have waited on me. Yeah, 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 God, 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 God said that, that, that I would have gave you the degree if you would have waited on it long enough. It's one thing to say in church, amen, to waiting on God. But I got some honest folks in the room. It is hard to wait on God sometimes. That's when you get on your butter rum. <laughs> you know, you get real with the Lord. Listen, God. <laughs> now, I've been waiting. I've been waiting. But the only thing here is those double stuffed Oreos. I was waiting for the single pack. Come on, James. I'm just playing, Chris. I'm getting off the Oreos, all right? <laughs> but oftentimes, we get frustrated with waiting on God. And sometimes our waiting can actually start off really good. It can start off really strong. And after a while, doubt begins to slip in. Other voices begin to slip in. Girl, if I was you. 
bruh, if it was me. Right? And those voices begin to slowly drag us away from the Lord. And if we were being honest this morning, many of us are still suffering from our not depending and trusting on God. Some of us got scars today. Some of us got difficult situations we're dealing with today because we were disobedient to God. But I'm so thankful that even when I'm disobedient, a voice from heaven says, rerouting. I'm so thankful that no matter how far I get and no matter how ahead of him I get, he keeps saying, doesn't matter where you are, rerouting. God has a way of getting us back on track even when we're off track. So God is like, okay, Israel, you were disobedient in chapter 7. Here we are in chapter 8. Let's try this AI thing a second time. Let's reroute this thing. Let's do this thing again. But this time, they actually followed direction. This time, they actually listened to Woody. This time, they actually listened to the GPS. We see this in verses 3 through 26. Joshua and the gang attacked AI. However, this time they follow God's directions. God told them in exact details how they were to mount their attack against AI. They were to lay an ambush for AI, and they would take this city and all of its inhabitants. You see, the first time they fought AI by leaning on their own understanding. But the second time around, they're acknowledging God in all of their ways. They are trusting in his understanding. Friends, sometimes we have to experience defeat in order to walk in obedience. Sometimes you got to lose a couple battles to get over yourself. Sometimes you got to experience defeat in your life to realize that you're not God, to realize that you don't know everything. And it ain't that God don't love you. It's just that God needs you to understand that you can't win without him. That you ain't nothing without him. And so some of us, the pain, God, the Bible says that God disciplines those whom he loves. And when we don't turn and when we don't do things God's way, sometimes God has to bring that discipline towards us. Sometimes we have to experience defeat in order to walk in obedience. God humbles us in defeat. We recognize we can't win the battle in our own strength. Friends, you can't beat your flesh in your own strength. Remember, we are talking about fighting with the flesh that we all carry around. If you're going to pursue victory over the flesh, and if you ever expect to gain victory, then you must go about things God's way. This is important. We don't use the weapons of the world to subdue the flesh. The weapons of our welfare are not carnal, but spiritual, mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And there are many voices out there telling us what to do. Alexa got something to say. Siri got something to say. But you got to listen to the GPS that God gave you, which is the word of God. We got fancy, right, in church now. We got our lights and our fog machine. But we need to get back to just good old-fashioned prayer. Anybody still believe in prayer in the room? If you're not walking in peace, you're probably not walking in prayer. We got to remember the reminder and the value of coming together as sisters and brothers in the Lord. We have to fellowship. We have to read our word. Get back to just some good old-fashioned basic Stuff. And why is this important? Because the Spirit of God moves through the Word of God, through the people of God, through the fellowship. God's Spirit moves. When you're going against the flesh, this is not just your willpower. You don't got enough power in your will to beat your flesh and the devil. They're stronger than you. And when they come up against you, you better have something to punch the devil in the face with. And it better be the word of God. And let me be honest. Let me be honest. Sometimes I ain't got the strength to pray. I ain't got the strength to read my word. And I need some brothers and sisters that'll come alongside of me and say, Pastor, we'll pray for you. Pastor, we'll intercede for you. Anybody ever needed somebody to pray for you because you couldn't pray for yourself? 
You just walk up in the room and you just lay it, just pray for me. What you need prayer for, I don't know, just pray for me. I'm going in so many directions, I don't know. Sometimes you just got to go to church and just sit up under the word. You don't know how you're going to get out. You just sit there. This illustration's coming to my head, so I'm going to go ahead and use it. You know, some things are difficult to remove when you're washing dishes. That's why nobody ever wants to wash the pots on the stove, especially the one with the eggs been sitting there all night. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Don't try to act like you're clean in this place. You only clean up when folks come over your house, but that's all right. But here it is. But here's the magic thing to it. When you got those pans that are hard to scrub, what you do is you take the pan, you sit it in the water, you let it sit overnight, and all of a sudden you ain't got to do nothing. It'll come lifting off. What I'm trying to say is sometimes you ain't got to fight. You just got to sit under the word, soak there a little bit, and all of a sudden those things that you couldn't remove starts coming off of you. That's the power of his word. Friends, when we neglect prayer and we neglect the word, we set ourselves up for spiritual trouble. It's just as plain, just as simple. Whatever you feed the most is going to be stronger. If you feed the flesh more than you feed the spirit, Don't think when you get to the house for Netflix and chill that you're going to be strong enough. You're just not. It ain't going to happen. You're going to lose. But here's the, here, here's the, decisive, here's the decisive decision maker. This, this is what makes the difference for AI the second time around. That's not so much that they follow directions, and that's important. But what really gives them the victory is that they have the power of God working for them this time. There's something that happens when we walk in obedience in accordance to the word. What happens is that we line up with our Christian power, which is God. When we walk in what God tells us to walk in, how he tells us to walk in it, We actually access the power that God has for us. It's a description in verse 22 that I want to focus on this evening. I mean, this morning. These men come out from the city to encounter them. The men of Ai, they are trapped between Joshua man to the north and ambush. And and Joshua ambushes them from the west. They have come into the city and are now going northward. And the men of Ai are caught in this trap. And all the men are cut down, leaving neither survivor nor fugitive. Israel fought the battle, but God gave the victory. You see, the first time Israel went to Ai, they went with their own power. And they suffered terrible, humiliating defeat. That's what God will do. He'll let you just fall so that you'll fall to your face in front of him. But this time, they went to battle walking in the power of God, and they were victorious. How do you walk in God's power? By walking in obedience to the word, by faith. They trusted God, and we know because they trusted God, God showed up. Because when we walk in faith, God gets the glory. In other words, friends, You'll drive the car, but the GPS will get you to your destination. Again, there's a lesson here for those of us who struggle with the flesh. The battle will not be won by your ability to say no. The battle will not be won because we are more powerful than the temptations we face. The fact is, if you try to fight this spiritual battle in your life, in your own power, you will be defeated. At some point, you need to recognize that you need God's power. Reminds me of this pastor's son called Carter. Carter was outside playing basketball in the driveway with one of the kids from the block. Carter, being the competitor that he is, was showing off his skills on his home court. The girl from next door, it has to be a girl, it has to be a ladies' gentleman, was watching, and she said, you're not that good, Carter. Carter replied, hold up, wait a minute. Yes, I am. I can even dunk the basketball. 
Carter then backed up as if he were Michael Jordan, preparing to take off from the free throw line with the ball tucked under his arm. He kept backing up until he reached the steps of the front door. Then he turned around, rang the bell, and asked his dad to come outside for a minute. He came out because he wanted to see what all the fuss was. That was when he said, Daddy, pick me up so I can dunk the basketball. What we realize, life hoops are too high, and we need to call on our Heavenly Father to pick us up so that we can dunk. Friends, what I'm trying to tell you is that if you want to dunk on the flesh, you're going to have to ring the doorbell and ask your father in prayer to pick you up and give you the help that you need to overcome that thing that's overcoming you. Ephesians 16 says this. I love this verse. I'm trying to contain myself. Here it is. Finally, be strong in the Lord, in the strength of his might. It says, be strong in the Lord, in the strength of his might. They're not talking to me over there. Let me come over here. It says, be strong in the Lord. In the strength of his might. Friends, that's that strength your grandmama had that you couldn't understand. You seen the waves and the winds beating against us. That's that strength that your praying mama had that you couldn't understand. Because she had a strength that didn't come from this world. But a strength that came from the hills which cometh their help. Friends, there's an intimacy, there's a knowing of God that gives you strength that no matter how much life presses against you, it can't break you because the one who is greater than you, stronger than you, and stronger than your situation, when you get to know him on this level, No, 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 no. I'm not just shouting. I'm not just clapping. I know him to be strong. This is not religion for me. This is not just coming to church. Y'all don't understand that without him, I'm done. And I understand that without him, I can do nothing. I am nothing. Peter had to learn this the hard way. God, I won't deny you. God, I won't walk away from you. Peter, Peter failed, but days later, after Pentecost, and he received the power of the Holy Spirit, he received power that he never had before. Father... Pick me up so I can reach the rim. Father, pick me up so that I can dunk. I've been talking a whole lot of smack, but the reality is, as I can't dunk. No, I can't get off the ground without God. I know I try to make this Christian thing look easy, but, but can I be honest? I can't jump like Jordan. I, I know I got Jordan clothes on, but... The reality is, is that if you ever seen me play, I ain't much of nothing. I know I talk a lot of smack on, on Facebook, and you see all the posts that I put up. And, 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 and yes, 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 yes. I'm one of the ones who keep passing those chain messages on to people and saying, God will bless you in 10 days. But here's the reality is, is that I can't dunk. Hey, I. Got defeated that day because Israel realized that they couldn't dunk without God. And the moment they realized that God was their strength, God picked them up and they dunked all over them. But here's what I love. Here's what I love. When Israel gets to AI, God gives them clear instructions. Not only does he tell them how to defeat them, but then God says, when you get there, Make sure you kill everything. This is important, church, because it's not enough just to win the battle, but you got to preserve the victory. And if you're going to preserve the victory over AI, if you're going to preserve the victory over the flesh, you can't leave none of it living. Okay, y'all not with me yet. In other words, you can't go negotiating with your flesh. 
and say, I'm going to keep a little bit of this and I'm going to get rid of a little bit of that. Y'all know how we do, right? Long as I go to church and I read my word, I can tuck this in the closet and everything is going to be all right. But here's the tripped out part. Let me take you over to Samuel because King Saul tried this. Y'all remember King Saul, arrogant King Saul, all that and thought that he was doing his thing, King Saul. God tells King Saul to go kill the Amalekites. Okay, y'all got to read your Bibles a little bit more because back in Genesis, the Amalekites was trouble for the people of Israel. And God made a promise to Abraham that he was going to deal with the Amalekites. Can you believe hundreds of years later, God ends up dealing with the Amalekites. Sometimes God will take some time to fulfill his promises, but he's going to fulfill his promises. And so Saul was instructed to go kill all the Amalekites, but he didn't do that. He didn't do what God told him to do. Instead, uh, uh, King Saul took the king of the Amalekites back to his land. And the reason why he did that is because in those days, the kings would take the kings and they would actually pluck out their eyes and they would parade them around the people just to brag on how strong and how mighty they were. But God didn't tell him to do that. And because Saul was disobedient to God, because Saul decided to be friends with the flesh, God had to strip Saul of his kingdom. But here's the crazy part. When Saul dies, he commits suicide. Friends, to allow your flesh to live is to commit suicide. You must and I must kill every bit of the flesh. We're at war. We're not playing games here. I want to make sure I broaden this thing because sometimes all we think about is just individually killing sin. But there's some systemic things that we need to kill up in the church. There are some ways that we've been doing things, some things that we've been siding with that needs to die in the church. And God is never okay until all of sin is dead among us. King Saul, go kill everything. No, God, I'm going to keep some of the sheep. And then, you know, when we get caught in our sin, we start stuttering. We do, we do, we, we do. We say, um, well, 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 God, first of all, I was going to kill all the sheep. But your people been fighting all day and they hungry and a good guy roll would be nice, God. And I know that you won't. Some of y'all say, year old, God, a good year old would have been nice. I about, this ain't for me, God. God, this is for your people. You know, we try to cloak it in the Christianese and all that. And God's like, that ain't what I told you to do. That ain't what I told you to do. And ultimately, this, friends, if you are not bent on killing your flesh, then you ultimately prove that you are not saved. I'm not saying that's how you get saved. I'm saying that you're proving that you're not saved. Because all those who are saved go to war with the flesh. Because all those who are saved are on the side of God. All those who are saved is on the side of Israel. Those who stick to their flesh is on the side of AI. And everybody in AI has got to die. Friends, you got to make a choice. Is it going to be AI? Or is it going to be God? Second way Israel preserved victory is because they were devoted to God. I love this part of the text. Israel didn't keep the king alive. They actually hung him on a tree. They took the king of Ai and they hung him on a tree. And I want to concentrate on this part of the story. And that, that is the hanging of the king of Ai. That's pretty gruesome scene, isn't it? And everyone else is killed, and the king of Ai is captured, taken to Joshua, and they hang him. They hang him on a tree, and he is left there until nightfall, and they take his body down and leave his body outside the city, and there's a heap of stones, and it is like a memorial. What's going on here? What's going on here needs to be understood in terms of that Moses had written in the book of Deuteronomy, that anyone taking capital offense would be hung on a tree until nightfall. That was the law as a kind of deterrent. You may say this is pretty barbaric. It is barbaric. But what's going on here? What, what are we to make of this? Those who sin, stay with me, church, are under a curse. 
Friends, we are all under a curse prior to Christ. Anyone who does not keep everything written in the book of the law is under a curse, which means the wrath of God is against you. But what's tripping me out is why isn't Israel under the curse? Because in chapter 7, they sinned against God as well. This is what the book of Galatians said, for all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, curse be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. I was talking to Angie this week. Her son, Brayden, is in swimming, and the boy is really, really, really good. He took first place in breaststroke. But she told me that swimming has a lot of rules, like there are a lot of rules. If you break any of them, they disqualify you. I'm like, really? But they work so hard. She said, does it matter? If you break one rule, you are done. Same with us, friends. If we break one of God's rules... We are disqualified from eternal life. But we work so hard. Don't matter. Disqualified. You don't qualify for eternal life. But if you watch the text closely, instead of being disqualified, Israel, God says, rerouting. Israel should not be fighting this battle, but God has rerouted them through the one who qualifies. Watch it. Don't miss Jesus in this text, friends. Here it is. You see the king of Ai is a representative who now finds himself under the curse of God. And you can't read this story without being reminded of another who was hung upon a tree, upon a curse outside the walls of Jerusalem. I'm preaching now. Come on, Paul. Help these people understand what God is trying to say. Here's how Paul puts it. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. By becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. They took Jesus the same way they took the king of Ai. And they stretched him high and they hung him wide. And why did he do it? They put nails in his hands and nails in his feet. Why did he do it? So that God wouldn't destroy us the same way he destroyed Ai, friends. I'm trying to tell you that there's a grace that keeps rerouting. There's a king that has saved us. He never said a mumbling word. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What's happening? What's happening is that Jesus has been made a curse. God made him a curse. God had put him under a curse. And when God put Jesus under a curse, Jesus became the way, the truth, and the life. God made a way out of no way. So that he can say to every sinner in the room, rerouting. God didn't do all this, friends, so that you can live how you want to live. I know we like to shout about the crucifixion. We like to shout about the resurrection. And we ought to shout about those things. But I came to tell you that God didn't kill Jesus. God didn't destroy AI so that we can do what we want to do in Bethel. God didn't do that. God has no problem rerouting you. God has no problem giving you another way. The Bible says that God is full of grace and God is full of mercy and he delights in doing so. God has no problem pardoning your sins. But friends, if you're ever going to make it home, you have got to obey the GPS at some point. At some point when the GPS says go right, you need to go right. At some point when it says hook a left, you need to hook a left. At one point when it says go straight, you need to go straight. At some 
point. If you're ever going to make it home, you have got to listen to the GPS. And so this is what Israel does. They get together. They, they line up on these mountains and they begin to speak the word of the Lord over the land. What are they doing? They, they are declaring the authoritative word of God that we are going to walk in God's grace. Friends, this is what I learned in Toy Story 4. Here's Sporky for you. Sporky finally got it. He kept going to the trash time and time again and Woody will hop in but one point in the movie Sporky finally got it. He finally listened to the voice of Woody and when he listened to the voice of Woody he found his purpose. He found out who he was. He found out that he was a new creation. He found out that he was more than trash. He found out he was more than junk. I wish I had some people in the room that finally started listening to their GPS and you started realizing that you are more than trash. You are more than your sinful nature. God has created new life and giving you a new heart. Oh, I'll shout by myself because I own, know that God's grace is more than enough for me. AI ain't got a chance because when God is on your side and when you're obedient to him, God got your back, friend. <laughs> Friends, I want to bring it home here, friend. At some point, at some point, if you want to experience God's grace and victory in your marriage, at some point, you're going to have to listen to the word. At some point, husbands are going to have to start loving their wives as Christ loved the church. Oh, you can complain and you can cry about it, but at some point, you're going to have to do things God's way. Oh, yeah, 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 friends, you... You, you, you want blessings and you want peace, but at some point you got to be obedient to God. Friends, if we want to see God flourish our church, at some point we're going to have to love our neighbors. I knew it would get quiet. At some point we're going to have to care for the poor. If we want to see God's church victorious, at some point, church going to have to declare that we're not cool with school to prison uh, school to prison pipeline and at some point we're going to have to stand up and say something about the way the church has treated women at some point we're going to have to stand and say something at some point you're going to have to repent and say God I ain't living this way no more at some point, we're going to have to mourn over our sin. At some point, we're going to have to admit that we were wrong. It ain't enough for the GPS to be talking to you if you ain't going to do what the GPS said. You might as well turn it off. You might as well close your Bible if you're not going to be a doer of the Word of God. I'm not talking about how to get saved. I'm talking about what saved people do some point we're going to have to be real in this place. We're either going to line up with God or we're going to line up with the world. What's it going to be? But you can't live in Bethel in AI at the same time. You got to choose. You're going to go left or you're going to go right, homie. But you can't do both of them at the same time. And I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know what you've been wrestling with. I just know that God got you here for a reason. God wants to do something new in your life. Some of us, we've been playing in AI, but God said, come on over to Bethel over here. Some of us have been dibbling and dabbling with the flesh. But God says, I want to give you freedom you never felt. I want to give you joy that you never experienced. I want to give you peace that you never had before.